Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. All right, here we go. Hosea. Hosea chapter 3. Let me, uh, let me catch you up if you haven't been here. We're, we're studying the book of Hosea, which is an Old Testament book, and it's following a guy named Hosea who's a prophet to Israel. And let me just walk through the three weeks that we've done so far. Week one was all about covenant love. God told Hosea to go marry a woman named Gomer. And so week one, we looked at covenant love where Gomer and Hosea stood up. And so this little rug's going to represent the banner of covenant love. We, we, we brought out that Jewish prayer shawl and show that covenant love is saying, till death do us part, we will be married to one another. We will be faithful. Hosea and Gomer did that. Week two, we looked at tough love because here's what's happened. Although they covenanted their love to one another, Gomer left. She left Hosea, she had an affair, and she started chasing after other lovers. Multiple men made a mess of her life, left Hosea, and we looked at tough love because as she left, as she decided to live the way she wanted to live, here's what Hosea said. He said, quote, I will hedge her way with thorn bushes, and no one will rescue her out of my hand. Here's what Hosea did. When she left, he didn't just say, well, that's great. Hope it goes well. He completely cut her off so that she would feel the effects of her leaving that love. It was tough love. Now remember, Hosea and Gomer's relationship is supposed to mirror God's relationship with his people, Israel, who had made a covenant with them. Remember, God said to Israel, I will be your God. Israel said, yes, Lord, we will obey you. But now Israel has left. They're worshiping other gods. They're sacrificing their babies to these other gods. That's how bad it is. They're in the midst of their rebellion. And so Hosea and Gomer's story is meant to show Israel a bigger story about God and his love. So the second week was tough love. Last week, Brad taught, and our theme was tender love. So Gomer has left. She's had all these affairs and relationships, but Hosea begins to speak tenderly to her, to let her know that in the midst of her brokenness, he is there. And here's the quote. He says, quote, I will allure her to the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. He begins to pursue her again. And God is telling Israel that in the midst of their whoring is what God calls it, he will still love them and still pursue them. And that's where we are in the story of Hosea and Gomer. She has left. She is with her other lovers. He has cut her off. She is broken. She's made a wreck of her life, but she will not come back. She will not come back. It's going to take something outside to bring hope to this situation. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. This is Hosea writing. And the Lord said to me, Go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man. That's Gomer. And love that woman who is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods. Hosea is 
and again, we can read this as a fairy tale, but this, this is history. This is true story. Hosea is told to go get his wife, who is currently the lover of another man. Go love again. Now, when we hear that word love, immediately probably a bunch of romantic comedy movies come to your mind. And we picture Hosea running through New York City streets trying to catch her. He's trying to get to the airport because she's getting ready to leave. Or she's in a taxi cab and he's on a motorcycle and he's chasing her through the streets so that he can catch up to her. He's going to climb the top of the Eiffel Tower or whatever tower that was to meet his girl and tell her how much he loves her. Some of you will miss this reference in the first half. Some older folks, he's going to walk into a room where she's there with all of her friends. He's going to say, Gomer, you complete me. And that is going to win her back. No. Guys, that's not, that's not love. That's romantic Hollywood, silly love. But the love that God is calling Hosea to is not that type. As a matter of fact, if I'm Hosea, what part of me wants to go do that? Zero. See, the love that the Bible talks about is called agape love. It means sacrifice. It means to die. Hosea is called by God to die for his right to have her punished, to get even, to die. Go love, go die for this woman again. To love is to put, your, put someone else in front of yourself. That's what Hosea is called to do, not write her a love song. Why would God ask Hosea? I mean, that, that's crazy. Go love a woman. Go, go get your wife that's currently with another guy. Why? God tells him, love this way even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. Like, remember, Hosea's life is meant to be this picture of God's love for his people. And so God's saying, Hosea, you're going to love like this? You're going to sacrifice? You're going to lay down your, your, your rights? Lay down your sense of justice because that's what I do. That's what God does. He lay, so he says, you're going to do this as a visual testimony to the children of Israel what sacrificial love looks like. And for you today, a visual picture of what God's love for you looks like. Brad told us last week, don't make yourself Hosea. Oh, I just need to go out into the world and I need to find all those Gomer people. No. Newsflash, you're Gomer. You're Gomer, so am I. Go love a woman. So Hosea wrote a perfectly crafted song and took his guitar and goes to her and I want to grow old with you. No. So I bought her. For 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lecheth of barley, he purchased his wife back. Sacrificial love. Men, talk to you for a minute. Can you imagine the humiliation to go up to a door and knock on the door? 
And a guy in his, you know, wife beater shirt comes to the door. Can I help you? Yeah, that's my wife in there. And I want her back. Now, in these, in these days, the days of Hosea, women, we've talked about this before, women were viewed as property. Maybe a step up from property and a slave. Maybe one step up. The most, the most valued possession. Which you can tell what Hosea's, or what Gomer's lovers, whom she pursued because they will give her everything you want, you can tell how much he cares about her. Yeah, 15 pieces of silver, that'll do it. See, his love, the, the lover's love for Gomer is a consuming love. It's self-centered. What can I get out of her? And he got sex for a while, but then he's like, dude, I can, I can turn a profit on this. Fifteen seckles of silver. Hosea's love is sacrificial. Not only does he have to swallow his pride and walk across town to get his wife back, but it cost him something. Sacrificial love breaks through the most hopeless of situations. Remember, Brad hit this last week. There's this, there's this great scripture in, in, in Hosea 2.15, and we can read it without understanding it, but here's what the scripture says. I will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. You guys remember that scripture? I will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. Well, the valley of Accor was, means a valley of trouble. And here's the promise. Back, in, back when this whole relationship looked hopeless, Gomer's out doing her thing. The, the promise was, out of this valley of trouble, this broken situation, a door of hope will swing open. That was the promise. And it looked like there was no way that that was going to happen. What breaks through darkness and brokenness that turns it to hope? It's sacrificial love. It's the only thing that can break through. Sacrificial love breaks through. So we said brokenness precedes redemption. Well, sacrificial love is the mean of redemption. It's how redemption happens. It's not brokenness and, man, I just made a wreck of my life, but by golly, I'm going to get my life, I'm going to get back in church, and I'm going to fix this thing. That doesn't lead to redemption. That leads to self-righteous pride. Brokenness precedes redemption, but sacrificial love, being loved in the midst of your brokenness, is what breaks through and brings hope in the midst of it. Hear me, guys. When you are found by God in the midst of your junk, something happens that changes things. Now, you don't believe me. I know that. So I brought some stories with me. People in our church that... If I, if, I would, if I would ask them to, they would stand up here and just tell you what this looked like in their life. And guys, we could be here for the next three hours. I know there's something that a lot of you want to get to that happens at noon. So we won't. We keep going. Here's the first story. It's a guy in our church, a man, whose life and marriage didn't go at all how he pictured it. As a matter of fact, it was quite opposite of that. It was brokenness, it was tears, it was destruction, it was cops involved, it was all sorts of a mess. And just a couple years ago, in the midst of all of this brokenness, 
is when sacrificial love broke through. Here's his quote. I met with him this week. He told me with a smile. He says this, I fell to my knees in the front yard of my dad's home, tears flowing down my face. I gave my marriage to the Lord. I gave my life to Jesus, the only one that can handle all things. Broken, ashamed, and stripped from all that I had created out of my own doing, I gave everything to the Lord. And he would say it was that moment when he was on his knees in the front yard of his dad's house that sacrificial love broke through. And for the first time, he realized that he is loved in the midst of his junk. And that's when everything began to change. Now, the next day he woke up, was it roses and sunshine? No, of course not. But he looks to that day when he finally fell down in brokenness as the day that things begin to change in his life. Brokenness precedes redemption, and sacrificial love is the means of redemption. When you realize you are loved by God in the midst of your mess, it changes. Here's another story, because you still don't believe me. A woman in our church, mom, wife, she's a little girl, 9, 10, 11 years old. She was molested by someone in her family over and over again. A hell that many of you know, unfortunately. And some of us don't. Now, as we look at that situation from the outside, as I used to, even a couple of years ago, before I learned more about this, it would be easy for us to look at her, the woman now, and say, you were a little girl, right? You, you were innocent. You were helpless. You could do nothing about this older person that came and invaded your life. Like, you, you were innocent. What do you think she felt about herself? Contempt. Hatred. She looked at this little girl as a freak because multiple reasons. Number one, this little girl didn't do anything and, and according to her to stop it because little girls can do that, right? But here's the biggest piece of shame for, for people that go through abuse, simply sexual abuse that she related to is that little girl that experienced that um, attack on some level like the fact that an older person in her family wanted her. She didn't want what happened. She didn't want the touch. She didn't want any of it. But on some level, she felt special. And as she got old enough to realize what that was that happened to her, and that that little girl at some level felt special because of it, what do you think she felt about that little girl? Hatred. And that, those shackles of that little girl remained on her as she lived her teenage and adult years and then to a, as a married person, how that crept into their marriage and caused just this wave of brokenness around her. She blamed herself that her marriage wasn't like it was just contempt and hatred for self. So in this really big act of bravery, she asked for help and began a process here at our church to work, work through the implications of what happened to her. And to begin to reframe and look at that little girl the way Jesus looks at that little girl. And it was multiple weeks of journey and wrestling. And when she was done, and as 
I began to see tons of change happen around her in her world, in her marriage, and in how she worked related to her child. I asked her to write a letter to that little girl, to herself. Like, if you could write a letter to her, the girl you hated for so many years, what would you say to her? The letter's about two pages long. I won't read the whole thing. I won't make it through the whole thing if I try to read it. I'll read you the introduction. Here's what she says to this little girl. Oh, sweet girl, look how far you've come. You've been on a journey that no one ever dreamed of for you, but here we are standing on the other side. You were submerged into a valley of brokenness and darkness. But you, my dear, climbed out of that valley and stood on top, declaring that there is beauty and brokenness and that God redeems the darkness for his glory. I wish I could have saved you from all those years of shame and heartache, confusion and self-contempt. Those frayed edges and bent corners are pieces of the puzzle that shape you into the amazing woman you are today. Don't look down on them in disgust, but embrace them and allow them to continue to mold you and shape you. Find the strength in your rough edges and found beauty in the tattered lines. You're fearless, you're strong, and you, my dear one, are going to do great things. You found healing in your heartbreak. I could keep going on multiple stories. The common theme in our church is that God finds us in the midst of our brokenness but also uses our brokenness as the thing to transform us. That's what's crazy about it. It's not that he pulls us out and like, well, we don't have to look at that or think about that anymore, but actually whatever this was becomes the filter to which we see the goodness and glory of God. It's amazing how this happens. Sacrificial love breaks into the most hopeless of situations and brings hope. That's what it does. It turns shame to hope. What's your story? What's your valley of brokenness? Some of you have been in it. Some of you are in it right now. Some of you, it's getting ready to hit. What's, what's your valley? Is it your struggling marriage? We have many of those here. Is it your comparison to other people, women? Is it your comparison to every other mom? Because the image they portray on social media is not their fake image, right? It's not the all put together image. It's the real one but yet you're shackled to every day comparing yourself to that and feeling worthless. Your addictions, bitterness, your childhood that you grew up in, and how like, we, guys, we could go on and on. We could tell stories all day long of our valley of trouble. Our valley of troubles, wherever you feel defeated. Where do you feel just completely defeated, completely inadequate? That's it. And what transforms a valley of trouble to a door of hope is to realize in the midst of that valley of trouble, you are loved. Sacrificial love breaks through. It changes our shame to hope. The valley of trouble will become a door of hope. So I bought her. For 15 shekels of silver. Sacrificial love. See, see, here's what the world, the world looks at gomers and has no use. 
right? It does, no use. The, the world loves us when we're on top. The world applauds us when, we're, when life's going. But the world has no use for broken people. If when I read Luke, when we studied Luke for a year and a half, the thing that blew me away is how Jesus oriented himself right to people that the world had no use for. Do we see it? The blind beggar, a woman caught in adultery. Like the, the people the world said, no, you are broken, you have no use. When you clean yourself up, then I will have a use for you. That's what the world says. The gospel is that Jesus broke into the midst of that and loved them in the midst of it. And that's the thing that changed. Sacrificial love changes it. The world says, no, you're damaged goods. Clean yourself up. Question, what did Gomer do for her redemption? Hear me, what'd she do? Nothing. Sacrificial love broke through. Hosea went and purchased Gomer to put on display something that would happen many years later. And that is a spotless Lamb of God taking on the sins of the world. It's the cross before the cross ever existed. Jesus in the Old Testament. So I bought her with my body and my blood. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in Jesus... We, Gomers, might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, Jesus didn't just, hear me, Jesus didn't just pay for your sin on the cross. He became your sin. Do you get that? He became the addict. He became the adulterer. He, he became the Gomer. He didn't just pay for it. He became it. It pleased the Father to put the sin of the world on to himself, the Son, that Jesus might pay the price of redemption. So I purchased her, my church, with my body and my blood. And he goes on. So he purchases Gomer and he says to her, you must dwell as mine for many days and you shall not play the whore or belong to another man and so will I also be to you. Now, I want you to see what happens. Remember, this is a different day and time. Hosea has the rights. He has purchased her back. He has the rights now to make her his slave. You will now earn back what I paid for you. That, that's what he can legally do. You will go work in the fields, and you will make money to pay back what I paid for you. But that's not what he says. You, here's what he says to Gomer. You are mine, and not in this my slave, you are mine. You are my wife. And look what he says. So I will be to you. I've purchased you. I've redeemed you. I've brought me to myself. And now I am going to restore you. You're mine. She's back into covenant love. Now, church folk, let me talk to you. And here's what I mean by church folk. You've been doing this a while. You're all buttoned up. You're like pretty good. Here's the danger in the story of Hosea. The danger is we think the story of Hosea is for people that are, that are strung out on coke. That's Right? People that, oh yeah, it's for all those people that made a mess of their life. Can I remind us, church folk, of something? You're Gomer. And not just, oh, I once was Gomer, but now 
God saved me, and now I'm just a, I'm a child of God, Apple. Because you're still broken, right? You're Gomer every single day. About 50 times a day, you're Gomer. I'm Gomer about 100 times a day. Because I'm standing up here preaching the gospel, but then I'm going to be driving my little Toyota RAV4 home today, and I'm going to see a really nice truck and be like, oh, boy, if I just had that. Other lovers. Anyone else? Any other men in the room? You, you, I'll probably be looking at some of your trucks, right? <laughs> oh, if I just had, I'm still Gomer. Some of you are going to leave here in about 30 minutes. All of your hope and joy is going to be placed on what number 15 does with a piece of pigskin. Come on, let's keep it real here. Yeah, yeah. How quickly we chase after other lovers looking for joy and hope and identity and purpose in those things. When you go to work tomorrow, success. What does everyone think of me? Like The list goes on and on. So let's remind ourselves we're not just one time where we gomers. We're gomers every day in the way we live. But our identity is one that is loved by God, where sacrificial love broke through, found us, and we're invited back in. That's your identity. So as we teach the gospel here, here's what we say it all the time. The gospel demands a response. Sacrificial love demands a response. Hear me. Gomer did nothing to deserve sacrificial love. But now that she's back into it, she's invited to respond and live in light of sacrificial love. So here's what, here's what we teach at Hill City, what it, what it means to follow Christ. We teach, believe and repent. To believe that Jesus lived the life that you couldn't live, that's perfection, died the death that you deserve, and was raised in a power you don't possess. That's what we believe here. Anyone else believe that besides me? Come on. That's what we believe here. Belief is not this intellectual, oh, I believe in a God. Satan believes in a God. Believe is... To rest in. I will quit laboring to get myself to God. I will rest in that Jesus did it. That's what believe means. It's to receive sacrificial love. Believe. Now the second part of this is repentance. So here's what repentance. So if this rug represents sacrificial love, today at 1230 you're going to find yourself chasing out their other lovers. Oh, if I just had. Here's repentance. Right back here. i got to bring myself back. Ooh, this. Okay, got to bring my, that's repentance. Now hear me, believers, this is one of the biggest misconceptions, I believe, among Christians. When you find, so you're a Christian, you, you believe Jesus, you received him by faith, but you've drifted away, you've chased after something. Okay, you find yourself right here. This is the hardest thing to try to get believers to understand. You, what, help me believe, what did you have to do to earn your salvation? But here's the thing that you struggle with, is now that you're in Christ, for some reason you think, I've got to do something to earn myself back there. I've got to get back in church. I've got to quit cussing so much. I've got to do something to get myself back into God's graces. Hear me. If you did nothing when you were in rebellion the first time, what makes you think you have to do something to earn yourself back the second time? No. Here's what you do. You invite yourself back to covenant love, repentance. That's the Christian life. 
Now, if you were duped into this thing and thought when you believed in Jesus, all of your troubles would go away and you no longer have any struggles, you were lied to, and I apologize about that. That's not the reality. Faith and repentance. You shall be mine all of your days, and you shall not play the whore chasing after Patrick Mahomes. You shall come back and live under my love. You shall dwell as mine. Each week we've had a video that illustrates this. If you haven't been here, it follows a young couple and it walks through every week we have. Week one, we watched their wedding. It was beautiful. Week two, we watched as the woman in the film leaves her husband, has an affair. Week three, we watched as her valley, as it led her to an awful valley of trouble. Week four, let's watch Sacrificial Love. The scripture tells us on the night Jesus was to be betrayed to do his act of sacrificial love. He took the body and he broke it and said, this is my body that's broken for you. Gomers, do this in remembrance of me. And he took the blood of the wine and the cup and he said, this is the blood that's poured out for you. Every time you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. And so every week at Hill City, we receive communion to remind ourselves of the story of, the re of redemption. Let's stand together as we receive communion.